Welcome back to Reality 101, everyone. My name is Dr. Molly. And I'm Dr. Rule. And you're joining class today to hopefully learn a little bit about Married at First Sight, Season 16 in Nashville, Episode 9. Um, we are going to be covering our first divorce of the season. So I'm super excited as talk about this. How do you feel, Dr. Rule? Oh my God, it has happened. Dun, 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 the <laughs> divorce. Um, and yeah, like they didn't even make it to decision day. So many things to talk about. Um, if you want to talk to us about them more, or if you just want to be in more conversation, as a reminder, you can subscribe to one of our Patreon tiers. We're at patreon.com backslash RLTY 101 podcast. And we are also available for conversation um, and response on social media. That's right. We are on all the socials. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Our handle is at RLTY101. Let us know what you think. We'd love to engage with you there. And especially now that finally, after a pretty slow season, we've got a piece of hot gossip. We want to talk with you about it. We absolutely do. And if you're just interested in seeing what we look like or Dr. Rule's face when I say crazy things, um, please remind yourself that you can, again, go on Patreon to watch our videos. So you can listen to us. You can watch us talk about these things. Check out Dr. Rule's earrings, which I'm sure very shortly we're going to get requests for to put these, these designers in the show notes. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, you will see if you join our video that I'm having a pink moment. I <laughs> officially decided that I'm a podcaster so I got myself a pink mic but I've also got my pink nails my pink earrings my pink shirt my pink mug and my pink drink so this is is so cute this is what you get if you if you see our videos yeah and as for you I'm wearing all black everything Um, my microphone is black my coffee is black everything is black but next week who knows i'll be in like neon something um that's why you need to to subscribe to our videos yeah you can watch our mood changes as the semester goes on and on (laughs) (laughs) how closely does it track to midterms finals (laughs) and the end (laughs) oh lord okay so i'm really excited again to get into this episode um who should we start with? I mean, there's not a lot here, but I think there's a lot to talk about um, for especially one couple. Okay. I mean, like, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about Dom and Mac. Dom and Mac, no more. No more. Um, we started off on a cliffhanger with the Pastor Cal talk with them. And he says, so what does this mean? What does this mean you're over it? This conversation, this relationship? And she says, I mean, I want a divorce. And the music cuts. Right. End of episode. And yeah, uh, here we are. She says she wants a divorce. I appreciate Pastor Cal's like therapy approach to that, which is, you know, she's saying she's over it, but actually pushing her to to say the words, I want a divorce, right? Sort of classic uh, counselor or therapist setup. And she does. I mean, she she says later that she didn't want to say it, that she was struggling to say those words, but she did. And and she says that she wants a divorce. She says she wants a divorce. Um, Mac is upset, not, you know, angry or visibly angry, but he appears 
I don't know, maybe nonplus. I, I, I can't really read him very well. Yeah, I mean, okay, here's my first hot take. Uh, let's just go for it. I mean, they have been married for like two weeks. Yeah. And I don't know, like they're crying, but they're also getting divorced. Like, I just personally, I might be wrong, but I personally thought they were kind of playing up the emotions for either the show or so that they seem like they're not like quote unquote bad people right um because it it just seemed to me like she wanted the divorce because she was not feeling him pretty quickly after they met right I mean this started on the honeymoon she was not into it and so she jumped ship and okay is that right or wrong we can talk about that more in a in a minute but I just feel like there's no reason for her to be like crying it's not like they had developed love and then it was like oh shoot this actually doesn't align with like my long-term vision for my life or you are so great in so many ways but you're not meeting my particular needs I need to do the best thing which is to get out of this relationship like it she was just like there was never love I don't think she ever really let him in and she ultimately got what she wanted which is to leave so I don't know really what she's crying about Maybe just like embarrassment, maybe because it failed the experiment, but I don't know. I just like, wasn't here for the tears. Yeah. I think she's definitely crying because she's embarrassed. And I think that part of her, and she says it at the end that she was worried about proving everyone right about her immaturity or her age. And, um, which really proves that that is her hangup because no one said that it was that. And if you think getting a divorce is an indicator of immaturity, right, then you have a misunderstanding of divorce and relationship. So I don't know what she was crying about either. I think, um, Mac was crying because he was finally going to be in a dope ass apartment and now he has to go back to the basement. Um, (laughs) but I don't think that he gave a shit because I think that he also realized that he wasn't having fun. No, no. They just didn't really like each other. They didn't like each other. Um, They had like some moments of chemistry, but also they were in Jamaica, like, you know, having this great time. But even still, they didn't really have that good of a time. So it it was like the moments that they did have are objective moments where we could imagine that anybody would have fun. Like if you're riding a horse in Jamaica in the ocean, you're having fun, right? Um, If you are staying in a resort eating whatever that famous meal was, like the lobster and shrimp or whatever, I mean, you really got to not like the person to not have a good time. So I think we had like a red herring of maybe they just generally enjoyed the experience, but I don't think they ever liked each other. Completely agree. And um, so she meets with her mom and her mom has makes the excellent point that, okay, well, you said that you wanted him to change on things. Did you give him time to change on those things? Yeah, because it can take years for someone to change a behavior around a particular thing if they believe that that is what is going to make them a better person and your relationship better. Mm-hmm. And he, the premise was lost on that. Him complaining less, I don't think actually, he, well, one, I don't think he actually thought he complained a lot, which means it was hard for him to work on it. Um, but no, she didn't give him time, um, to work on it. And every time that someone asked why they're getting divorced, I felt like she gave a different answer. Um, and that I never thought I have like an all caps here. I never actually characterized as immature per se, but this 
episode solidified it for me, the way she communicated with other people, the way she didn't communicate with other people. I was shocked at just her word choice and her lack of emotional vocabulary in affect also, but like in the way she described it, like it was shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be really clear too, that this, this has nothing to do with her age, right? Like she has a lot of hangups about her age and pastor Cal even says like, you know, dare I say it, maybe 25 was too young. I don't think this has to do with her age, right? And and the number there, I think this has to do with what you just said, which is her emotional maturity. And I think what she wanted was to come in and just have this kind of like fairy tale storybook romance where everything went perfectly. And then obviously if everything's perfect, you're going to get along. But they had bumps in the road that I really, again, don't think were um, you know, what is it? What, what do I want to say? Like, like non-negotiables, right? Like he complained too much. I mean, come on. It's, it's not really about that. It's not about that. And then she goes on to characterize it as negative energy. Like, I, I was just like, can you say something more vague? I mean, I think, so I, and I've told you this, Dr. Rule, but I was engaged at, or no, I was engaged at 23, got married at 24. And so I'm very familiar with this type, again, this type of person that I I relate to her as, as someone who might have had to grow up really fast. And so they felt like that was a really great step for them. But when you're in it and you know you're immature because you want to leave the situation on an unconscious level, not necessarily because you don't like that person, but because you know deep down you're not ready. Mm -hmm. And, And she just demonstrated that when she just blew it up. Yeah. Yeah. She jumped shit big time. And yeah, again, I think there were just a lot of things that were said that were untrue, right? Like even in the last episode where they're again talking to Pastor Cal and she says, I was willing to do this experiment, but I never anticipated that you would pair me with my polar opposite. And he goes, he's not your opposite. Or if he is, it's because you misrepresented yourself. He says you lied. Right. Um, And I think that that's a distinct possibility that maybe she did misrepresent herself. Also, potentially that McKinley misrepresented himself. But I think that they could have worked and they just didn't put in the work. Like my cup says, if you are on the video, you better work. You better work for it, honey. And I actually think this is that this kind of indicates that she didn't sign herself up. I think her mom signed her up important point to remember she did not thoughtfully meditatively go into this this was something that in some ways was thrust upon her and yeah it failed it failed and even at the end their last scene when she says um you know would you I'd like to be friends with you to Matt he had to clarify her own feelings for her he could, he just kept saying, so what do we go from here? What do we do? Where, you know, you're the one who broke this up. What do you want out of this? And when he said, I don't want to be your friend, she was like, I hear this negativity. Why would he want to be your friend? Especially yeah. with in front of him. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I don't know why they would be friends. <laughs> okay, so I have, I have, a question, right? Mm -hmm. There was some speculation that they may have been getting it in 
while they were on the honeymoon and just not sharing. Do we think that that happened or no? I actually think that's a really big possibility. I haven't heard that rumor, but I think that's definitely the possibility because I recently heard from another couple from season 12, Clara and Ryan, that that whole storyline, oh, my says my connection's unstable. So uh, hopefully it's okay. Um, Clara and Ryan were actually bumming the whole time. And so they had a whole plot point around like, are we fucking or not? They said that they had sex one of the first nights. Oh my God. I just, I feel lied to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is an important reminder for us to just step back and remember that this is reality TV. It is edited and also not a true and honest, perfect reflection of reality, right? I mean, people are conscious of how they're being presented to millions of viewers and sometimes make decisions to not disclose certain things. Yep. Absolutely. I think I think it's a distinct possibility that Mac and Dom were together. Um, and I think it's a distinct possibility that like they weren't driven by that sort of mystery or desire because they were together, but yep. then also that they didn't want to continue based on what they learned about each other. I, that's that's my feeling about it. Yeah, because she's not that serious of a person. I don't think she would wait or think she didn't take marriage seriously. So why would she say, oh, I don't want to rush with my husband. I just can't imagine. Well, she really never said anything like that, did she? No. I mean, but again, this is like her kind of having it both ways, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Well, good riddance. One less couple to be bored by. <laughs> okay. But actually, I have a question about that. You say one less couple, but are they going to just disappear from the show now? Because- Still, when does she cl kiss Clint? I mean, you know, I can't answer that because I know, but I will say that, again, previous seasons when people break up with like Chris and Alyssa, he was just off the show, right? Yeah. And they did a few check-ins. Um, but I don't know. You know, if you refuse to refuse any filming, you get fined $50,000 if you have not reached D-Day. So that's another recent thing that keeps people together is not getting fined um but i think that you can opt to break up and not pay the 50 if you agree to be filmed after yeah i so, had no idea yeah we really need like a contract attorney on this show so we can go through some of these contracts which are notoriously hard to get your hands on but wow. yeah so i i don't know i think they're going to be filmed I think she wants to be filmed. She's like Alyssa. She wanted to be on the show. She just don't want to be married. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would stay on the show for, you know, <laughs> to not have to pay $50,000. I mean, if your business is already out there, you've already been cast as like kind of the villain. Mm -hmm. To be like, okay, let's just follow it. I'm going to be single. So I don't have to pay you $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The final thing I have to say about them, um, and Dr. Molly, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this, is that, you know, it hasn't really come up, but of course they don't make it to D-Day, which doesn't happen that often, right? I mean, this is really like a failure. Yeah. Um, they didn't even live together, right? 
And they're this season's only interracial couple and one of a very small handful across the franchise. And so my question is, like, do you think that that factors in at all or is it just totally irrelevant and um, circumstantial? I mean, I think you and I would agree that whenever, well, race is involved in everything and whenever race is involved, it's never circumstantial especially it's just being in Nashville and the fact that it wasn't discussed at all after the wedding. Again, I don't think she has a very strong racial consciousness around being black, regardless of the fact that it's been asserted and they talk about it. I don't think her identification is super strong. So um, I don't think even, I don't know. I don't even think she got that deep. I don't think she's there emotionally to probably analyze that in her relationship. I think she was just like his feet stink. Mm-hmm. I think she got the ick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also don't know. I mean, I am somewhat suspicious that it also was raised as like potentially the drama, right? During the marriage and meeting his family and her family interacting with them. And then right, it just totally dropped out of their narrative entirely, except that then they broke up. And she keeps sort of changing her tune about why it is that they broke up. I mean, I don't think that it explicitly had to do anything with race, but I think, um, again, like they just may be on very different sort of paths, have very different positionalities, perspectives that were brought into the experience. I mean, like you said, um, we don't live in a race neutral world or society. but I do think it's interesting the way that that just totally dropped out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the weddings are interesting because they're trying to get footage for a dozen different storylines for each couple because they don't know which way they want to edit it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, no, I think you're totally right. I think it could have turned into something interesting like that, but you know, we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, even them just like, I don't know, being in Jamaica as a black person and a white person or, you know, right. Like just the day-to-day interactions that we know how race, you know, in our intersectional positions, like shape our experiences. But again, like they didn't even live together long enough to have moments where they came home after a day out and about and had anything that had to do with that. Right. So yeah, pretty interesting. The only interracial relationship I'm interested in moving forward is Mac and Eris, because at the end of the episode, or in the after party, Jasmine says that Mac and Eris are actually best friends. Wow. It's the show, so that's the only one I want to know about. Yeah, yeah. Mac and Eris. So should we jump over to Eris? I was going to say, you know, while the race plot line dropped out for McKinley and Dominique, the uh, cousin plotline resurfaced finally for Eris and Jasmine. Ah, Felina. Felina. I didn't even know that was her name until now. He was just the angry cousin to me. Um, I think with their segments, a couple of things became clear. One, he is really confused about love. He's confused about what love is. He doesn't, I don't, like he said, he's never been in love. Um, I've also learned that his, Cousin has picked him up from the strip club way too many times, you know, or, or something. 
because she just knows the dirt. Like she knows how bad this is about to end. Um, I know we've speculated as to why she is so invested in him in this way before, but I wonder, I don't know. I want, I've started to realize that like, she's not just being rude. I think she's really attacking Jasmine's character and I think it's really unwarranted. Yeah, no, um, I agree. I think she's being unnecessarily mean to Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's a conversation or an issue that popped up a lot. And so I want to spend a little time talking about it. But this idea of fakeness, right? Um, Foul alleges that Jasmine is a fake person because she gives these really polished and like, are they even polished? I, I don't know. Um, I think that they're just thoughtful and mature. <laughs> um, and also, I think, like, considerate answers to some of the questions that she has. And she doesn't just dig in with only her perspective, which is what Felina wants her to do. And she characterizes that as, you know, being a real woman um, and stepping up to the plate. But I don't know. What do you think, Dr. Molly? I wonder if she feel this strongly if Jasmine was like her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is this is this a you don't think your cousin should be married problem? Or is this he's married to the wrong one problem? I, I don't know. And why does it have to be both? And why is it contingent? Why is her liking Jasmine contingent on him being ready? Yeah. I, I just, there's just a lot of different factors to me and variables. I just, I don't get her I don't want to say it's a obsession I just don't get it like how you can feel that strongly about it I don't know no and uh yeah I mean I just think that she's stirring the pot really unnecessarily I don't like it I don't appreciate it I don't know if she's trying to get like a spinoff show or something with some airtime I don't know what's going on but like the refusal to come to the housewarming party I mean, it's just mean-spirited. You know, it just is. Whereas on the other hand, I understand actually where Jasmine would be like, I don't want somebody who is a naysayer, right, about our relationship coming into our home, further interacting with me, like potentially that could be explosive or, you know, characterize the whole party in a really negative way. So I understand why she wouldn't want her there. But I also think like Felina not going, it was just like, just go and be chill, right? I know. I I, I just, I I don't know. I'm just, that's just, it's something that really befuddles me. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why she would deny airtime if she just wants to be on the reunion or have some sort of exposure um but she's gonna be on the reunion we know this (laughs) yeah I mean but Aramis also misunderstands their their core issue he always says oh you know Felina she's just really blunt you know she just tells it like it is that actually is not the issue delivery is just the salt to the wound but the issue is what she's saying and her investment and I wish they could kind of articulate it a little bit better like there's a hyper investment going on and it's it's giving sabotage and it's making you doubt yourself and me doubt myself. That's toxic energy to our relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I don't think we've seen the last of her. Um, 
But yeah, she definitely is not here for it. She is standing her ground. She's against the relationship. I will say, I think the other crazy thing is that even though we have this flashback scene where we see Jasmine say that she does not want Eris to invite Felina, that then we learn that he goes behind her back and does it anyways. And for me, I was like, red flag, red flag. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's what I'm saying. There's a lack of boundaries between his he and his cousin. And we don't know the extent of them or the nature of them, but there's it's clear there's a lack of boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that issue didn't get enough airtime. Mm. And it, to me, it's like Jasmine very clearly articulated a boundary that she has. He totally uh, went through and around that. And then the only reason why Felina's not at this event that Jasmine didn't want her at is because she's refusing to come. So it's like Eris took the power away from Jasmine, away from his partner, gave it to his cousin. And then his cousin now is in this position of power by saying, well, I'm not coming because I'm choosing not to come. So same outcome, but this power imbalance, you know, I just don't think she should have that much power in their marriage weird yeah no they bring that up at the after party too which is she's like jasmine you're close with his mom why is this cousin outpacing you know the like the power of his mom in this relationship and she's a really good answer for it she said it's not impacting it but i don't know like i said i think that i'm not saying necessarily sexual i'm not saying anything like that but i think that their relationship's just inappropriate in some way and if it weren't this, it, she's probably been an issue in a lot of his relationships. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's like some codependency going on or um, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's bizarre and it's not going anywhere. I think it's just going to get worse. Okay. Well, RIP. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we move on to Kirsten and Shaquille? Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so we see him filling up the air in her tires, which is just a really beautiful thing. Um, and we learn again that she does not like kissing because she does not think that it is, or she's good at it. And what else? I mean, we pretty much just get a little bit more of a taste like of what I can see is what they build for next episode of Shaquille getting kind of upset or impatient. And I think both of the couples they met with, though, at their um, housewarming party gave really great advice. I totally agree. I mean, for me, that was the biggest and best part of their storyline this episode was that it seems like they're surrounded by people who are grounded, who have solid perspectives, who have experience in long-term committed relationships. And yeah, like this kissing thing, right? It's a little weird but again I think that there was great advice from the couple that was there which is you need to let your husband decide if you're a good kisser or not because you're shutting yourself out before you even you know get an opportunity to explore in this way so again right is it just a way of her saying she doesn't want to kiss Shaquille I would prefer if she just came out and said I don't want to kiss you. I'm not comfortable with that rather than blaming it on something else. Um, but 
maybe we're just going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she really, I don't know, a past partner maybe told her <laughs> something traumatic about kissing. Um, maybe that would track with her general sort of lack of emotional availability. Honestly, the more screen time we have with her, the more I wonder how she got on this show. Because she mm. seems to me like the least emotionally available person. Really? Like out of even the men on this season? Okay, maybe tied with Eris. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously Dominique and McKinley are out, but I think that if it was up to McKinley, he would be in. I think that he wanted to work on the relationship. I think Dominique would have been good if maybe she was with somebody else. Like, I think she was open, but maybe handled it wrongly um, or was immature about it. Okay, Eris, I'm a little bit concerned about. I don't know if he knows what love is uh, or has some confused ideas about that. But it just seems to me like Kirsten, like everything, like her body language, the way she talks about her relationships, the way that she kind of like puts herself down or shuts herself down with like, I'm not a good kisser. Um, I don't necessarily, those seem like her things that I think would be there no matter who her partner was. It's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I had like, to your point, I don't actually think Eris is necessarily emotionally unavailable. I think he's just very confused about what love is and how this process is unfolding for him. Um, that makes him, you know, not basically be emotionally arrested, but I don't think he's unavailable. I think that Kirsten, I'm of two minds because I see physical chemistry between them, right? Again, like I said last week, I don't understand why she said there's no chemistry because I see her sitting on his lap, rubbing his head, doing all of these things. But yeah, with the kissing thing, I, the only thing I really know for sure put plainly is that hypercritical people are extremely insecure themselves. And so when they put high expectations on you, it's because they're just, it's all about, it's their stuff. It's their un own unmet expectations with themselves. So it makes sense that she's hypercritical of herself as well. Definitely has to be a Virgo, but I don't know. I don't know. And we see, again, we see next week um, that tension builds and I really hope Shaq gets in there and it's just like, no, this is what's going to happen. Or I really hope at the end of this, not that marriage is a tit for tat, that if it doesn't work out, it's because he said it wasn't going to work out. I really hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everything you just said is, is what I'm trying to get at, right? Like it just seems like she brings a lot of really anxious energy and it seems like Shaquille would be the perfect partner to disarm some of that. Right. Um, but yeah, she just, it just, I feel like when I watch her, I feel like I can just see how in her head she is and that that translates into their relationship with this wall. Like that's what I'm witnessing with my own eyes. Yep. Yeah. And I'm so glad that this narrative has really waned the one that, oh, well, you know, when she opens up, you'll know, or, you know, she's hard to get to know or all these things. I'm glad they're not doing that. Or she's a hard nut to crack. I'm, I'm glad we're done with that narrative because it makes it seem like she's something to be pursued and that this is really like a fitness test for Shaq. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad they're now into the realm where they're just kind of, I feel like what's brewing is like, they're just incompatible. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think that she might just not be ready for a relationship with anybody because yeah. maybe she's not there with herself. Um, 
but also like fundamentally, right? Why do these like hard nut to crack people get to be on married at first sight? Like, shouldn't you be an easy nut to crack if you're going to be paired with a stranger? Yeah. Like where you don't have any time to get to know each other and crack the nut. Like, I don't know. No, again, that's why I think married at first sight should be 40 plus. Mm, okay. Yeah. But it's hard, again, hard to find people who don't have kids who are 40 plus. So that's why they don't do it. But it should, I think it should, this, wouldn't this be an amazing show if it were 60 plus? You know what? Those are the people. Go ahead. Wow. Okay. I think we need to pitch a show that is this premise for older folks, right? For, right, 60 plus people who are divorced, people who are widowed, people who need that new start. I mean, again, I'm just thinking about Debbie, right, from The Single Life. And her whole thing is like, why would we wait to move in together? We are older, right? Or in 90 Day Fiance, right, in the evening of our lives, right? (laughs) This, yeah, okay, we we need Married at First Sight reboot Elders Edition. Elders Edition. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. And we would definitely host the after party. Yes. Yes, please. <sighs> well, okay, I guess that's the end of the podcast. We, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, is, do you have anything else about Chris and Sha- or um, Kirsten and Shaquille? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Except that Shaquille, please come on our podcast. We're continuing to be huge fans. As per you, yes. Our weekly plea. Weekly plea. Okay. Um, Dr. Molly, let's flamingle. Oh, God. Yeah, so original. I was like, do you, have Lisa, do you have a Lisa Frank notebook with like a list of party ideas? Oh, my God. You can just whip that out from underneath her bed, basically. She was, she was ready and she was waiting. Let's flamingle. That's what I wanted to say uh, for my opening line on today's episode. And I just, I forgot. You got too nervous? I got too nervous. I forgot. I blacked out. I blacked out. <laughs> but I'm saying it now. Hit us up on social media. Let's flamingle. Let's flamingle people. Yeah. And you're wearing all pink. That's so cute. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it was it it seeped into my subconscious. Yes. Oh, that's so cute. Nicole, we will continue to raz you, but we really like you. We really do. Yeah. A plus. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, what do I have for my notes with her? I mean, no, I just have that, you know, they're talking a lot about um his easiness, right? Or his de- his deferential attitude when it's, you know, let's make a decision on something. And sometimes he's wishy-washy and sometimes he doesn't care. And I think we should talk on their segment or the time allotted to them about this concept, the gendered notion of bullying. Mm -hmm. Because they just talked about, well, I'm going to teach him how to, so that he won't get bullied by you. And, you know, she says, I'm afraid of being the bitch. And well, we have to say that if these things were reversed or if there was a different dynamic in which she was the more masculine embodied person, that would just be totally inappropriate, right? But since it's her and she's manufactured this FBI narrative and I'm, you know, Italian. And so that means these, this why and that thing. 
I just feel like it's her way of trying to give up power in her relationship or make it more horizontal, but it's backfiring and it's basically just condensing all of his insecurities. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like he just seemed, why do we need to cop- keep saying like, you know, he's just such a nice guy because we never talked about that, but I don't think that that is a compliment, but. No. Um, I mean, for me watching them, I think that they really are set up as opposites. And I think they are going to both need to come a little bit, not all the way, but I think they're going to need to come a little bit to the middle, right? Like she's going to have to slow down sometimes for him, right? Which I think that we've had insight into that, right? Like when he had his emotional breakdown about the dogs, right? She was really nice and and came to him and supported him in that moment, right? Um, And then I think that he is going to need to be a little bit more assertive, right? I think they're just gonna, they're opposites attract, but in an opposites attract relationship, you still have to meet the other person at times with where they are. And so I think that that's just what's happening here. Like, um, you know, she's getting to a point where she's like asking more of him, right? Like for this reassurance, because he doesn't have, um, you know, the inclination to offer a very strongly stated opinion really about anything. Um, But at the same time, he does say, I'm not wearing that stupid flamingo shirt, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like I, I think that they're getting there. I think that they're getting there. But yes, to your point, there's absolutely a gendered veil around this idea of bullying and dominance. And, you know, I think a lot of people would characterize this even as wearing the pants in a relationship. Yeah. And then in manosphere rhetoric, right, that he's being emasculated. Yeah. Even though we could talk about how I don't think emasculation exists. I don't think it's possible in our gendered binary world, but I I don't know. I mean, I would actually push back and say that he never said no to the shirt. He asked a series of questions to gauge the intensity of what her reaction might be. And then when he decided it was safe enough for him to say, he didn't say no. He said, I mean, it's it's a little, it's probably a little much for me. Then he was just like, she gave him permission to be like, it's okay. He never said no. That's true. That's true. That's true. But at the same time, like, I think that that's a, I don't know, like mature way to handle things. Like if she was like, I spent a hundred dollars on this shirt. It's really important to me. It's going to drive the theme home. What, you know, like if she was passionate about it, I think that it would be kind of a partner to respect that right but like you said he he doesn't he gauges like is this just another decoration or are you heavily invested in this and made his decision accordingly and yeah I, I thought that was dare I say nice yeah no I, I understand and maybe he's just more of a passive communicator than I would prefer in a relationship but I just hope it doesn't speak to her unpredictability in her moods that's yeah. just hope it's not indicating yeah Um, I know we haven't done the predictions, but I mean, I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to be married forever, except I'm very scared about the preview we saw where he calls her thick. Very scared. I was so scared. 
<laughs> oh my God. I mean, just after what happened with Gina and Clint in Jamaica, good God, Chris, I can't believe you said that. I guess we're, we're going to have to talk about this next week where we can see the full context. But... I need to see the full context. I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know at this point, I'm just like, he's just maybe not super mature. This is my thing. I don't care what your views are. Even if you think that's okay to say. Bro, you saw the fallout from what Clint did. So just don't do that thing. Correct. And I'm also not saying that that it's an inappropriate thing to say under all circumstances, right? I mean, it is perhaps a fact, right, that Chris has always dated women that are more slender, right? Like, <laughs> that could I be- hate that word now. I know, I know. I said it intentionally because that's Clint's word. <laughs> um, it's it's not that that's problematic per se, but just like, dude, you saw Nicole's reaction on Gina's behalf. Like, I want to see the whole setup that led to this statement coming out. <laughs> Maybe it was the editing, but I'm nervous. But I still think, I think that they're going to make it. I totally agree. I mean, yeah, we'll just have to see next week. I, I think they're going to be fine. I think it's going to be boring, boring soup for the rest of this, the uh, semester slash season. <laughs> the normie couple. Yeah. Obviously, McKinley and Dominique are done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't do our prediction for Eris and Jasmine or Shaquille and Kirsten. They're both looking like nose to me now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I saw like a glimmer of hope for Shaquille and Kirsten. Yeah, I, I will accept your glimmer. I, I but I just think that they might make it to D Day, but just not maybe not long after that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Final couple: Gina and Clint. I don't even have anything to say about them really. Um, they have four people over. All of them are quote females. As Gina says, by the way, folks, if you're still saying female to describe something, know that female is rarely used as a noun. And when it is, it's objectifying. Um, and it's very essentialist and based on an idea that there's only male and females in the world, which is just not true. And it's also used as an adjective um, in a biological sense. So again, when you are using it on a human, it's very objectifying and dehumanizing. So I prefer not to hear that word out of anybody's mouth. I don't know why. It's not a slur, but it's starting to, it's it's very hotep. It's very manosphere. It's very females to me. And I don't know. Yeah, I also cringed. <laughs> um, and again, it's important to point out that Gina was the one who said it, right? She said all the people were there, that were there were females and Clint. Um, and she was pleased that he could be around a room full of I'm going to say what I think she meant, which is women, um, uh, two different things, right? Um, and, <laughs> you know, so that's always like a little bit of a low bar, like, wow, he can be in a room full of women, women and not <laughs> spontaneous <Period>. combust. <laughs> good job, Clint. Um, but I'm glad that they had a good time and yeah, um, if if we are using female and women interchangeably, we should know that that is incorrect, right? Where um, 
women or woman is going to be your gender identifier. Female is oftentimes used to describe one's biological sex, but even still, like Dr. Molly said, is a highly essentialized notion. Um, and when we talk about biological sex, there are so many factors, um, chromosomes, internal, external sex organs, um, right, hormones that contribute to what is oftentimes portrayed as being biological and therefore just factual, um, essentialist, right? When actually there is much more fluidity and diversity and um, much more of a spectrum around what it actually means to be quote unquote female. So right, using that is going to not be an appropriate stand-in for I think which I'm going to say what I think she meant, which is I think she meant to say a room full of women. Yeah. And as you said, she didn't have a sentence at the end of that. I was like, give me one more sentence to clarify. So you're excited he's in a room with females, what, and doesn't hit on them, doesn't act inappropriately, doesn't make comments about their body size, doesn't start juggling porcelain. Like, I don't know what happens after that. And I think that also indicates like she has such a low bar for Clint in general. Um, And at the same time, I think she might like a guy like Clint. Like probably this guy that loves to work the room full of females and loves the attention um, and loves being around just like blonde women. I don't know. Yeah, I I actually saw them kind of come back together in this episode. Like I saw a lot more of that original hope that I had in the beginning where they are a little bit older um, and I think that they are driven by wanting to have a partner. And I think exactly what you just said, right? Like he can be in a room full of women and right. Be the sort of like charismatic homemaker. I think that she thought that was hot. Um, and I, I think that they're going to be back on. Totally agree. She thinks it's hot. She does. He's a hot male to her. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, and they're just really optimistic that their attraction can grow or that it could grow. And I think that's pretty much all for them. I don't know. I didn't, I get, apparently he's a great cook. Um, But that's all I really learned about their segment. Also stepping out and defying, right? Uh, (laughs) Her gendered expectations. I, I felt that sentiment in that statement, right? Not just that he's a great cook, but you know, the way that she's been talking about gender, gender roles. Um, yeah, it seems like she was pleasantly surprised that she thought that because he's a man that he can't cook in the house or entertain. Um, yeah, they've got some interesting gender dynamics going on. But I will say, I think that they're going to be a yes for me. I think oh, that they're wow. going to reconcile. Oh, okay. I think they're going to be in a lovely place at the end of the eight weeks, but I don't think it's going to be marriage for them. I think they're going to probably remain friends, but. Oh, I will say I forgot that then he kisses Dominique. See, man, they should not have leaked that because it's just like haunting me. I need to see when and why and how it happens. But if I set that aside, 
I would think that they're going to make it. And I think that they're going to refer to these issues that they had on their honeymoon, where he commented on her body and she called him the G word. (laughs) Um, I think that they're going to frame that as, you know, like we got through some hard stuff. We made it over the road bumps. We, you know, worked it out because we put in the work and now we made it. But then he kisses Dominique, so I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, they're keeping us engaged. And honestly, that is the least that they could do. That's the least they could do with this low drama. And not super titillating content. So I guess that's pretty much our show for this week. Um, Next week, we do have a next time on that looks like it's going to be our most tentious or tense um, tentious. What's that? We're just making up words here at Reality 101. <laughs> um, the, the most tense episode yet. So I'm excited about that. And um, please make sure that you are going on Patreon to check out the videos. And I'm also going to put a poll. We're going to put a poll up soon about what shows you would like us to cover in the future. We've been kind of strategizing about what shows we want to cover. Um, and you know, with certain tiers, you get certain types of voting power. Isn't that really cute? It's very undemocratic that you have to pay for a vote, but I think that it could really pay off because, you know, everyone needs some company with the shows that you watch. Me and Dr. Rule found each other at work because we didn't have a lot of people in our lives that watch these, these shows and we like to drain our brain the same way. So if you want us to join your community, go on our Patreon at patreon.com backslash reality rlty 101 podcast and we're also on social media that's right twitter tiktok and instagram at rlty 101 please vote let us know what you think let us know if you'd like one of those explainer posts breaking down the difference between gender and sex um really we would love to engage with you and yes i want to also say that for the potential shows that we're going to cover in the future, back episodes are also squarely on the table. So um, if you've been watching, for example, a Housewives franchise forever, and you want to start at the beginning, that's a possibility. So let us know what would be interesting to you. We love it all. We do. And so we will be back with Married at First Sight next week for the 10th episode. And Dr. Rule, I think if you're ready, you can go ahead and say it. All right, class dismissed.